Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. Coming soon, we can expect the Mushmouth demo repress from 1997, Payback discography on CD, Despise Demo 2, which I'm so excited for. I love Despise. I love Ben Brody. I'll never stop loving that guy. Super awesome. Shout out MH Chaos coming out of Chicago. Love those guys. I'm looking forward to hearing new music from them. They're always working hard. They're always cooking up something out there in Chicago. So shout out to the guys in MH Chaos. Always doing it big out there. And finally, coming out of the SWB, shout out my homies in Warn, the Human Work LP, coming very soon. And I'm looking forward to that a lot. I love everything out of the SWB. All those guys are amazing. So shout out to them. Looking forward to new music. If you guys aren't following From Within Records on Instagram or Twitter, I highly suggest you do so. There's always new news dropping, awesome information. So please tune in and just get familiar because From Within Records is amazing. Support them because they support us. On today's episode, we travel back to Syracuse, New York. What a lovely place. I love Syracuse. Whenever I think of that place, bands like attitude forfeit trail of lies earth crisis come to mind such a great scene up there and i talked to ron a couple months ago and lucas reached out to me after that episode dropped and i was super down to talk to him because i know just through mutual friends i know how hard he works for the syracuse scene i know how much he loves and is proud to be from there so of course i wanted to talk to him i i appreciate that New Year's Day show that he put on, um, along with other people, shout out Ron and everybody else that helped him. And I I know that it was a big deal to all of them up there. And also I'm a fan of Standalone. He also plays in another band, The Thrill. So great guy, just loves hardcore. And those are the kind of people that I wanna talk to. So please, if you're not familiar with Standalone or The Thrill, hit pause, this is the time to do it. Hit pause, head over to Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, Tidal, whatever you prefer search those bands out. They put on awesome music and I really enjoy those bands and I want you guys to know about them too. So strap in, enjoy this conversation and please, without further ado, welcome Lucas to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Lucas. How's it going? It's going good, Jamie. It's nice to meet you. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm happy we're finally doing this. I know we spoke a couple months ago and with just, uh, you know, uh, things happening in the world. I'm just happy that things figured itself out and we're here today doing the podcast. Oh, totally. Uh, I, I heard uh, Ron, Ron Hill's episode of it and he said too many nice things about me. I figured I'd have to go on and defend my honor. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually uh, love Ron. He's a great guy. Uh, ever since the first time I had him on, uh, he's always been super cool and we stayed in touch. And yeah, I was happy to have him on a couple of months ago and he did say a lot of nice things about you. And I was you know, pleasantly surprised that you uh, tuned in and heard those things. So um, I'm happy that you checked it out and it kind of led us here today. Oh, for sure. So for everybody listening, 
who's not familiar with uh, who you are and what you do, could you just give them a quick breakdown? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Lucas James Reed. I, uh, I'm 20 years old. I book shows here in Syracuse. I also play in uh, bass and standalone, and I play guitar in a band called The Thrill. Hell yeah. Okay, I- I'm really curious, like, uh, how'd you get into booking shows? Because I find that uh, aspect of hardcore so challenging because there's just so many responsibilities. You know, you have to track down a venue, make sure the bands are taken care of. Uh, and uh, there's just so many elements to it. And uh, for you, I'm curious how you got into that. Yeah. So um, it all started out. There's this uh, teen center where I'm from in Camillus, New York called the town shop. And they were just always open to whatever ideas like kids had in mind. And at that point I had gone to a few shows. This is probably like winter 2017, 2018. Um, So I just proposed the idea of like, hey, you know, is there any chance that like I could book a show? Because I had known like I'd been to their Halloween parties where they had bands play. I'd been to like a couple shows that like other kids had booked. And I figured like I had an interest in doing it. And they were like super receptive and super down. And um, I think the first show I ever booked was January of 2018. And from there, kind of just use the skills that I had learned from booking shows there to book outside of the town shop. Um, That was kind of like my home base for a while, but um, I think the more ingrained I got in like the Syracuse scene, the more I had interest in wanting to book shows there as well. And, you know, the more involved I got, the more comfortable I got. And, you know, the more, you know, we were able to bring stuff to come through here. Okay. I've, I've had three uh, attempts at booking shows through my uh, career in hardcore. First one failed horribly. Like venue pulled out because we weren't going to be selling alcohol. And they were like, you know, super pissed. Or why the hell would we want to have a show if nobody's going to be buying alcohol? And I'm like, a lot of these people aren't even old enough to drink to begin with. So like, like, what do you expect? Yeah. So they like pulled out and I had to like message all the bands and cancel the show, which that was such a bummer. And a couple of years ago, probably like two years ago at this point, I had uh, I was working at a local print shop and there was a guy uh, who worked there part time because he was in a full time touring band. So whenever they were like off tour, he would come in and work or whatever. Uh, and him and I got to know each other just, you know, just being around each other all the time. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, something I like seeked out. We just happened to be in the same department. So we just started talking, became cool, whatever. He was nice at work and he kind of pitched the idea like, hey, uh, like, uh, well, I would always bug him because his whenever his band would uh, start tours or whatever, they would always play like the surrounding areas but they would never do a hometown show. And I always, I I always found that like really interesting and kind of weird that they were, you know, doing so many awesome things like in LA inland empire, but they would never do anything in orange County. So I pitched the idea like, yo, like let me just do something. Like I don't want to make any profit. I just want to pay all the bands. Like if you guys are willing to do it, like do we have to go through your management booking agency, whatever, and he's like, no, like we, we can totally just do it if it's just, you know, a couple bands, if it's uh, not going to conflict with anything, like let's do it. But he gave me like this time frame that the dates had a fall in between because they were doing, I think they had like a Japan thing and then like 
like warp tour or something i can't remember but i just Damn, had an attract yeah so I, I had like like a week um to like you know dates to work with and i got everybody on board dude i, I reached out to shit hold on i, I probably should, should i probably shouldn't say who i reached out to but there were some people who were way more experienced at booking shows and they book fest and they uh, were helping me out on the the behind the scenes because i had a lot of questions and i wanted to make sure everything was right so i reached out to them they were willing to to back me and uh make sure things were gonna you know go smoothly reached out to two local banks so i just wanted it to be a three-band bill and just give time for uh the the, the headliner to have more time to play because i figured Everybody here at home would want to see a longer set, a more intimate set from them. So totally, yeah. So I had everything was in place, right? Uh, the money situation, everything was like you know uh, agreed on. Like I seriously, I was going to pay the three bands, uh, you know whatever uh, you know cut the venue had to take, but the rest of the money was going to go to the bands. I wasn't going to take a dime because that wasn't why I was doing it. And last minute, dude, that fucking band uh, pulled out. And it pissed me off so bad because like <laughs> I went to so much trouble. Right. And now I'm looking like an idiot because the, the venue's like, hey, what's going on with the show? Then the people who helped me set this whole thing up were like, oh, like what happened to the show? Then the two openers, what happened to the show? And it just made me oh look so God. dumb. But then I, I explained to him like, yo, the band pulled out. Uh, the singer is a liar. <laughs> and ever <laughs> since then, like, I just can't look at that band or listen to their music the same anymore. And it was just, oh, no. yeah. And it was just so shitty. I'm like, dude, like you, you didn't like, I didn't like pressure him to agree or anything. He was like, so like willing and wanting to do it. But when it came down to it, it, it was all just like a lie. So, so I was yeah, like, that's such a bummer. Yeah. So I was thankfully like, I haven't really had to deal with anything on that caliber. Um, the only real time I've had to like drop a show like that is when, uh, obviously the early days of the pandemic, mm-hmm. Um, which was a bummer too, because we just had so much cool shit about to happen, dude. Okay. Last show that I tried to book or that I was planning on booking. Uh, here's a little, uh, breaking news kind of, I don't know, whatever. I, I never really talked about this publicly, but, uh, this episode is going to be episode 196. I had, uh, a show that I was going to book for episode 200. I was going to do like a local thing, uh, I was going to have uh, like just a couple of bands, not like a crazy like show or anything, but I, I was going to try to do like a episode 200 special, but tie a show to it. Like have like, you know, whoever was going to be on the episode also play the yeah, show. That would have been really sick. Yeah, it, it was a cool idea. And I, I was like looking into like local venues. Just, it was just going to be like some vet hall. But obviously with what's going on, it's like literally uh, California right now. We're like surging on top of a surge is what they were saying like a couple hours ago. So it was. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So it, it just wasn't going to be possible. So I had to like scratch that idea. So that was like the third attempt at me ever wanting to book a show. And it just it seems like it's never going to work. So I, I <laughs> so I, I appreciate people like you who are able to book shows consistently and make it work because I know how much work goes into that. And thank you. And hopefully, you know, fingers crossed uh, episode 300, maybe you can do it. Oh, three. <laughs> I'm telling you, right. Okay. This is 300. It's going to be different. Like I'm not going to do a show or anything, but 300 is already in the works. So just don't worry. 300. We're going crazy. Oh, shit. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We're going crazy. So uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be fun. So we're a ways away, but it's going to be cool. We're already uh, locking things down. 
Can't wait. Um, so you had a, you mentioned you had like a bunch of cool things planned. Obviously, uh, a lot of people did this year, and it. Oh shit! Hold on, I unplugged my headphones, uh, and I know like a lot of people had stuff planned this year, and it's just like so crazy to think that we're in December. This is like you know the end of the year and shit doesn't look like it's getting better obviously there's like these vaccines that are coming out next week but i was like reading to those and i, I was thinking like oh it's a vaccine you, you just pop in get your vaccine and you're good to go but i was re- the one i was reading about was like the pfizer one where it's like a 21 day process like you have to take like two shots and i was like oh this is not uh, what i was yeah. expecting there, there's hope on the horizon for sure but it's definitely you know it's a long process before we're gonna get to where we want to be yeah, you know what's funny? I was at work today, like a couple hours ago, and I like travel between like locations. And I was like in the, the the back of the building, and this girl came up to me, and I was wearing my mask, but I was just like kind of standing off in the distance. I was like, I think I was on my phone, just you know, dicking around on social media. And this girl comes up to me, and she's like, "Hey, I just want to let you know, uh, three people in this building uh, got COVID. They're trying to keep it under wraps, but just make sure to." keep your mask on and just be careful because three people got oh it. My God. <laughs> yeah. She was like, yeah, three people got, got it. And I was like, Oh, I was like, I'm like, who are they? Cause I want to know if I came in contact with them. And she like broke it down. It was like, you know, people and like, um, in like these offices that like I never go near. So I was like, okay. I was like, I'm, I, I feel safe, but oh, and, that's good. Yeah. So and I was like, yeah. And honestly, like I, I had lunch and stuff so I could taste everything. So I was like, that was like, that's like my like barometer. I, I, I always get paranoid. I'm like, can I, t- am I going to be able to taste this? And like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not going to get tested again. Like I, I've been tested before and I was fine, but uh, that was just weird news for her just to come and tell me all like random. Yeah. And say like, so nonchalantly too, it's like, Oh, by the way, you know, two, you know, three people caught the plague in here in the past week, but uh, you know, you should be all good. Yeah, I was like surprised. I was like, this is weird. Because I was just minding yeah, my own business. I, over like here in Syracuse, I work at a restaurant downtown. And I remember, you know, all throughout this whole thing leading up until maybe the past month, I feel like upstate New York was kind of chilling for a while. Like New York City was the epicenter of it for a long while. But I was like super surprised that, you know, obviously there were cases still here, but it wasn't nearly as bad as you know it could have been and i remember maybe like back in october there's you know a bunch of restaurants downtown and like one by one i started hearing like oh cases here you know popping up you know five servers got it or like oh you know some people came in on the weekend you know no masks or nothing but you know (laughs) it's definitely you know brings you back to earth for a minute you know you think everything's all good but it's like this is a still a pretty prominent threat 100 percent. i i always think back to the early days like i was just talking to my buddy uh nate shout out uh nate miller we were we were on the phone i think it was we're on the phone yeah because i haven't been down in the desert in a couple of weeks uh we're on the phone and he was he reminded me of like the early days of the pandemic how i was showing him uh just like random videos of like people just like dying in the streets over in china and we were just kind of like, whoa, this is crazy that that's happening over there. Not really uh, understanding what was to come because it hadn't really hit the States yet. And, you know, fast forward to uh, yesterday when we were talking, we were like, holy shit, we're still in this and it's not getting any better yet. And I, and I always like laugh and kind of goof that 
back in March when Disney was just slated to close for two weeks. And I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. I can go two weeks without Disney. Uh, that's not <laughs> a big deal. And here we are in uh, beginning of December and that shit's still closed. And who knows if it's going to open because they're still laying people off and that shit's kind of sad. Oh, really? Yeah. Like they just announced the other day that they laid off, I think like another like 1800 uh, cast members. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, like, I, I've no, I know a lot of people who have lost their jobs at Disney. Luckily, um, one of my really uh, good friends, Johnny, he still has his job at Disney. So I'm just like, as long as he's good, like, I'm not like too bummed out about it. But it just sucks to hear <laughs> about everybody else like losing their jobs. And it, it's like the the impact that is having on the economy here. Because like I live in the city of Anaheim. I'm like, I actually just moved. Fun fact. I'm, I'm, I moved closer to Disneyland. Like yesterday, I, I spent the whole day moving. So there's some news for everybody who's wondering. Um, but it, it's insane. It, it's so weird to, to drive down over where the resort is and just see so many businesses that are empty, like all these new brand new hotels that were built just vacant. It, it's wild. For sure. But not to go all, you know, gloom and doom about the pandemic. I actually wanted to have you on here to talk about Syracuse hardcore. Um, whenever I, I think of, uh, your area, your scene bands that come to mind are obviously earth crisis, but I think of bands like attitude forfeit and trail of lies. Oh, for sure. Can you talk about yeah. what it was like getting involved in the Syracuse scene? Like, how did you even stumble upon hardcore? Cause you're, you're, uh, about Jesus. You're like 12 years younger than me. I feel so old now. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, I guess, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and, you know, think about how lucky I was to kind of be, I don't know. I feel like the cards were in my favor for sure, because not only did I have older siblings that were going to shows, like listening to new records and kind of like bringing that down to me. I also grew up watching like a lot of old skate videos that would have like punk and hardcore in it. Uh, played a lot of Tony Hawk Underground, uh, oh, which you know had so Paint of Black in it, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. Mm -hmm. So it definitely, uh, I think, having all those three things played into me getting interested in punk and hardcore at like a very early age. Like, I think the first time I must have been in elementary school when my brother played The Descendants for the first time. Cause I was super into the Simpsons and I remember he was like, Hey Luke, check this out. You know, there's this song by this band and they, you know, talk about, you know, watching the Simpsons. And, um, from there I kind of delved deeper into it. Um, I think, you know, middle school time I was super into like Blink-182 and some 41 and stuff like that. But also around middle school is when I like delve deeper into like old punk rock, like, listening to the clash or the damned or the misfits. Um, and obviously like minor threat. Um, so through that, that kind of like spawned the interest in it. And then my first show ever was December of 2012. It was a gig at the Westcott community center and it was hunted down violent side and, uh, the OG lineup of trail lies. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, I don't remember a whole lot from the night. Um, looking back, it's pretty funny. Like, um, 
listening to like Haunted Den- like that being the first band that I ever saw, I feel like explains a lot for me and like the type of music that I like, like Hunted Down, you know, underrated Syracuse band, in my opinion, um, which is very, very fast, very aggressive. I remember people just like slamming into each other wearing Santa hats at that show. It was just like the energy that I saw that night kind of uh, got me really intrigued in it. And it was a while after that before I went to another show. I think the next show after that might've been Stigmata. (laughs) And that was in like 2016, I think. And then from then on, I started going more consistently. I'm curious, how did you end up at that first show? That seems like a pretty good show, but for you just to randomly pop up for that being your first. Yeah, totally. Um, So my sister Mary brought me to that. she was like super invested in like the hardcore scene here. Um, she actually used to be roommates with Tom Harris. Um, oh, a good buddy of mine, Tom Harris. Oh, Shout like out, a brother. Um, oh, really? That, that's I had no idea you, you knew Tom like that. That's awesome. Shout out Tom. He oh, just yeah, for sure. yeah best uh, dude. <laughs> I don't know if I should be putting his personal business out there, but he just moved recently. Shout out Tom. Yeah, I know. And I'm bummed that he's gone, but I'm really stoked. You know, seeing how far he's come. Yeah. For sure. Great guy. Uh, I, I love Tom. Oh, yeah. The best dude. And like, he was a guy, I don't know. It's like people like that that have like such good energy is what attracted me a lot to like hardcore at an early age for sure. Yeah. What I really enjoyed about him is we uh, met because we were put in the same group chat and uh, he knew that I like Disney. So we really connected on that. And then we uh, hit up. Disneyland a couple times and it's always just a blast whenever he's out here. And, uh, and I I love getting those calls from my friends that are from out of state or out of town. And they're like, yo, like I'm in town. Like we got to go to Disney. I'm like, fuck yeah. Those are like the things that I love that that's what I live for. So, uh, and just getting to know him, uh, just great dude, just staying in touch with him. I I, I seriously just, uh, love that guy a lot. So shout out Tom Harris. Shout out TH shout out, shout out unfinished business. Best band out of Syracuse. Okay. So, uh, so your sister, Mary. Yeah. So she brought me to my first show that night. I think like it was super like spur of the moment. I feel because okay. I just remember going out. It was me, my mom and maybe Mary and Katie, like my other sisters. Uh-huh. And uh, we were out getting a Christmas tree. And I think she like <laughs> whispered in my ear. She's just like, Hey, do you want to go to a show tonight? And <laughs> I was like, uh, sure. And um yeah it it was just such a a crazy thing like you hear about it from a lot of like people that got into hardcore super young it's like once you experience that it's hard to go back to school and talk to kids about like video games or something it's like from that night i got i just wanted more you know because again like that energy like that you get from a hardcore show is like, there's nothing that can replicate it. Like that rush of adrenaline when like a slam kicks in or something, it's hard to replicate for sure. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. When I was a, or when I was in high school, I was definitely a loser. I had no friends cause I, I had switched middle schools and by the, so I, I switched middle schools and then I switched back the year before I went to high school. So um, I didn't have any friends like, 
all my friends didn't even know that I'm because this is like before I had a cell phone. This was like way back when. So when I uh, switched schools, like I didn't even know I was switching schools. It was like one random day I got called into the main office and the lady was like, yo, you got to sign these papers like your mom's transferring you across town. And I was like, what the hell? I started crying because I was all sad because I didn't even get to say bye to my uh-huh. friends. I didn't even know I was leaving till she told me. So I was like, this is crazy. So yeah, I switched schools. Yeah. So I, I switched schools. And then I like begged my mom. I'm like, yo, like, I don't like where I'm at. Uh, I, I just want to go back. So I actually, uh, during the week, I would live with my, uh, my aunt and uncle. And then my mom would pick me up on the weekends. And I was like, thank you. This is all I want. I just want to go back to, to where I was going. But when I went back to my original middle school, they had opened up another middle school. So everybody that I was friends with got transferred to that other school. So when I came back, I just had no friends and I was like, this is like, whatever. I was like, I was like this sucks. I was, I, yeah, so I felt like I kind of screwed myself by going back. But then I went into high school and luckily I had my cousins uh, who were going to the same school as me. They're like a year older, uh, but they were just like kind of mean. And they would just like make me do stuff and get me in these like sticky situations. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't, I was like, I can't be hanging around these people. Uh, and I, I'm only here because I, I just, I, I know my cousin and his friends. I was like, I need to find my own lane. So I, I made friends with some dudes in my math class that liked uh, anime, which was fine. Uh, but uh, when I found out about hardcore, like that was such a perfect escape because when I was at school, like, yeah, like I didn't have many friends. I wasn't cool or popular, but like, honestly, like once I found hardcore, I didn't care. Cause all I, would, all I cared about was hearing that last bell ring. My older friends would, uh, you know, pick me up in the parking lot or they would come to my house and then we would just jet off to a show. And oh, like, so yeah, and that was just like a game changer because, you know, not having that many friends or not knowing where I belonged in my high school just didn't matter anymore because I found this subculture, this music where I did belong. And it just made me so happy. And it was just like this crazy new interest. And and it, it felt cool. And it was like a secret because um, where I live, not a lot of people knew about it. So it wasn't some like normal thing. So like when I would show up to school wearing like an agnostic front T-shirt, nobody knew what that meant. And to me, it was so <laughs> cool that I was wearing this band from new york's t-shirt and like the design was so plain but so cool and it was, it was just like this weird thing that, that i just loved it was like this it was like this secret between me and my friends and uh nothing else mattered dude seriously and it's funny that you mentioned that too because i i was in that same spot in high school you know just wearing like random merch that nobody knew and everybody was like tripping out on um and it's honestly kind of the same deal now i feel like wearing random band merch to like the grocery store or something it's like all these people that have no fucking clue what like any of these bands are or like what any of these records are what any of these lyrics are but it's like it's so impactful to you but it's still like so foreign to the outside world it's pretty funny and you you mentioned that there was like a big gap between that first show and your next show why did uh, you stop going to shows for so long um it wasn't really like a conscious thing like i was still like really loving the records and everything that Uh i was like finding but it's just you know it it's hard to get my parents to like drive me out to a gig when i'm like 13 14 like all on my own so like because i had my sister mary there to take me i like was able to go and was able to see all that and i think the next show like hardcore show i went to after my sister also drove me so it's like it maybe wasn't until my friends and I started getting like our driver's licenses that we were able to be like, okay, you know, gonna go over to 
Tommy's tonight, but in reality, you're going to go, I don't know, to some dusty warehouse, some like sketchy neighborhood, go see a couple punk bands or something. Yeah, I, I, um, I totally get that. I had an older, well, I have, not, I shouldn't say I had, she's still alive. <laughs> I, I have an older sister and she actually got me into hardcore. She, uh, Hit me, or she didn't hit me. She showed me on our computer. She's like, "Hey, check out these bands." And it was on MySpace. So she showed me a, a couple of bands, and like I was like hooked. But it, it was so weird because I felt like in, in the very beginning, she kind of had all this knowledge of hardcore and all this music, and she was kind of putting me onto stuff. But then I started going to shows, and she just never went as much as I did. So I would tell her, I'm like, yo, look, I'm, I'm going to go see Tara tonight. Like, are you going? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, no, like, I'm just going to go uh, clubbing or whatever. She would start like going to like these dance clubs. And uh, yeah. And it just felt weird. Cause like we went into like uh, two totally different directions. She, she kind of started me with hardcore and she knew about it, but then she just like faded away. She stopped listening to it. Like she used to date guys in bands or whatever. Uh, but then after that, she just stopped really caring. And it was just so weird to me. I'm like, you got me into this. But like you don't even care anymore. It's like it was like the strangest thing to me. Yeah, and it's definitely like such a weird thing to, um, from the perspective of somebody that books shows, seeing people kind of like out in the wild they've never seen before, wear like like a terror hoodie or something, mm-hmm. and you know you you'd go up to them and you talk to them and like ask them and they're just like oh yeah I fucking I love terror and it's just like oh are you gonna go see terror like you know when they come through come through Syracuse or something next month. And it's just like, nah, you know, they're nowhere to be seen. You know, obviously, you know, people are different and some people feel more comfortable going to shows than others. But I always find it so fascinating to me that like hardcore can still mean something to people regardless of if they go to shows or not. That's so strange to me. I I, I feel like that's like a part of the experience. Like I, I don't, I can imagine liking hardcore and not wanting to go see it live. Oh, totally. Cause it's like, you know, half of the energy that you get from the music comes from like seeing it live and seeing other people's like reaction to it. It's like, I don't know. It's such a tangible energy that it's so weird to like only listen to it on record. Cause there's also like so many bands that I've seen that like, I didn't like the record, but when I saw it live, it like it clicks for me and like they turn into one of my favorite bands. 100% because that's like just a different environment and uh, and I, I've talked about it before like records always click at different times it's not some like formula like oh new records out cool let me boot up Spotify hit play and let me give it two listens and by then it should click it's just like things happen in oh. different ways so people who don't go and experience it live I, I feel like they're uh, cheating themselves out of an experience and also I feel like they're not really uh, supporting the scene which is a really important thing Oh, totally. Cause you know, I don't know. Then the next terror could be playing in a basement somewhere like some VFW hall, but you know, who's there to go see it if you're not going to go out and check it out and give a band a chance. Yeah. I had this roommate, uh, his whole identity. Uh, he was so proud to be straight edge and would uh, always post about hardcore on Instagram and stuff, but he would never want to go to a show. And uh, and I, I understood like part of it, like he had like some like local beef and like he got jumped once, but I'm like, dude, who cares? Like shit happens. Uh, that stuff is like, you know, uh, you know, not a big deal anymore, but like you shouldn't let that ruin your experience. 
to not want to go to shows. So it, it was always so strange because I always try to like encourage them. I'm like, dude, like if you're so scared, like let's just go and figure it out. Like you're not going to get jumped. Uh, if you know, I'm there with you, maybe we'll get beat up together or maybe we'll beat them up. Let's figure it out. Don't be scared to go to a show. Like, don't let these people like, you know, run you out of your own scene. And he just never would want to go. And it was just so, it was such a bummer for me because I knew how much he like cared about it. And, uh, you know, he would always post about it, but he would just never want to go. And it just literally bummed me out. Totally. And that's like the same deal for me too. You know, people my age, I feel we started going to um, shows at this place called Spark, and there was like a lot of like really bad metalcore playing. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. there were, you know, people would mosh like dicks. People would go up and like crowd kill people and shit. And like, I know I have like a bunch of friends that I came up going to shows with that do not want to go to a show because they think that that's how people mosh every time. Like, I remember um maybe february of last year uh restraining order came through and i'm like yo you would fucking love this restraining order band like they're straight up like they're this sick hardcore punk band like they have so much energy like they're fucking badass like you should come out to the show and like i was telling my friends that and they were just like no i don't want to get crowd killed and it's like dude nobody's gonna crowd kill you at the restraining order gig <laughs> But, you know, they just get like all it takes is one bad experience to turn some people away, which I think is really unfortunate. Yeah. And I I think back to my younger days when I was a little more reckless, uh, I I, I used to uh, crowd kill, which sounds so stupid to say. And it was like, you know, pretty messed up, whatever. Uh, And I I would never do that these days just because I'm not. I guess I'm just uh, I guess I'm more aware of like the damage that can be done when doing stuff like that. But also at the same time, if I'm, you know, in, in the pit or at the edge of the pit and somebody's crowd killing and I get hit, I'm not upset because I just understand that that's what happens, you know? So totally. It, yeah. But it's also like for a kid that's like more green to it, it can definitely do more damage than good. Yeah. But then some people would argue that maybe they just didn't belong they, they weren't core enough you know i don't know yeah it's just so weird because i because i get it I, I i can see both sides if that makes sense for sure i mean like there's a time and there's a place for like ignorant moshing for sure um like i wouldn't be the type of person to go up front for a hundred demons or something and then get all bummed when i get you know my head knocked on or something but yo speaking of hundred demons the last time I saw them, they, they, they play out here in California. They were playing uh, this fest called For the Children. And I was I was up front, singing along, whatever. And I don't know what happened because uh, I was just minding my own business. But, like, a big fight breaks out. And this dude is, like, literally, like, he's, like, hunched over because he's, uh, he's getting socked up. And he's it's, like, happening right in front of me. And this guy is just getting, like, wailed on. And I'm just like, like just standing there watching it. But then my instincts kicked in and I'm like, holy shit. Like what if somebody mistakes me for being a part of this like brawl and I get punched. So I had, I had to like duck like a few people back. Cause I, I wasn't trying to get sucked into that. Cause I wasn't trying to fight anybody that night. I just was stoked to see hundred demons again. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also bummed that night. They announced that they were putting out a new record and here we are years later and it never came out. So I'm always curious like what happened to that. Oh damn. I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they announced on stage that they're putting out a new record, and uh, maybe, all right, 
maybe I, I should do some digging. Maybe I'll start asking around what happened. Who knows? We'll figure it out. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That, that band's just so awesome. Like I, I first saw them in, uh, 2003 and I was just so blown away. I, I, I saw them at the showcase theater, which was like super sick. And I was like, just like a fan ever since. Yeah. It's funny that, you know, bringing up a hundred demons and talking about, you know, going back and listening to music and like having it click. I remember the first time I ever listened to them was seeing them live and it just really wasn't my thing. And like, I'm, I think for the most part, you know, like mosh heavy stuff isn't necessarily like my brand of hardcore, but Mm -hmm. I went back and re-listened to it now. And just from like a songwriting perspective and just like, I don't know it it finally clicked with me and I'm like, Oh, you know, this like, this is pretty good. <laughs> it's one of those things where like, I don't know, sometimes it's not for you, but sometimes if you go back and check it out, there's good stuff to find. That's why I like, I don't know. I don't really like writing off bands. It's like, ah, oh, that fucking sucks. It's like, cause for all, you know, you could listen to it, you know, a couple months down the line and you'd be like, you know what? I was wrong. There's a I feel like hundred demons was one of those bands for me. I'm not sure if I'm biased, but I feel like you have to be really bad to actually like suck at hardcore. If that makes sense. Cause I like so much hardcore and like, I'll listen to band and I'll, I'll be digging it. And I, I always question myself. I'm like, am I just being biased? Cause I just love this genre of music or are these bands actually like that good? And then I got, there's times where I come across the band and I'm just like not feeling it. And I was like, dude, this actually kind of sucks. And, it, and but that's rare for me. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm always like, like, you know, I'm obviously like, I, I like what I like, but I'm always like questioning myself. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, I don't know. I, it's so rare. I feel like to hear people publicly say, I did not like this record or just like critically bash a hardcore record. Cause I don't know. Uh, obviously different strokes for different folks but it definitely feels like sometimes people hold back because you know there's some records that i've listened to that have gotten a lot of hype that weren't necessarily for me mm-hmm. and i feel like if i ever brought that up amongst my friends they'd be like what no it was so sick but then you know i've had instances where those people that were hyped on the record when it came out go back and listen to it and they're like oh this is kind of whatever yeah um, it's definitely like part of the initial excitement for sure like a new record coming out yeah, I, I used to hang around uh, these group these group of guys, and I would always talk about the music that I liked, just because I, I liked it. I, and I didn't like it because other people liked it. I just didn't liked it because I genuinely enjoyed the music. And uh, a, a lot of those dudes were always afraid to admit that they liked certain things because it wasn't like you know cool to like it at the time. Like it wasn't hip yet. Like it wasn't the the hype record or things that people like were uh, you know jockeying hard on the internet. And that's always so weird to me. I'm like, why do you have to wait to see if it's cool before you can admit that you yeah. like it? Like, like I like so so much music that people just don't even care about, and that's fine. It's just like not everybody's gonna like the same shit as you. So for you to uh, to kind of hide your taste because you're embarrassed, it's just so strange to me. And it was always weird because I'm like, dude, you guys are so fucking fake. You can't even just like live in your own skin. You guys have to try to have this weird like um, like elite like hardcore persona. I was like, this is so exhausting to be around you fucking weirdos. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't, I don't know. Again, I'm, 
I'm younger and, you know, I haven't experienced as much, but I feel like in that regards, people are more open about what they like, especially stuff like outside of hardcore, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really cool. And I'm glad that, you know, maybe seeing other people talk about like, I don't know, like a new wave record or something will inspire more people to branch out and listen to new things and try to take elements and put it into, you know, their music to make it, you know, something new and fresh. Yeah. I don't know anybody who listens to hardcore that only listens to hardcore. Like every single person that I talk to listens to other genres of music. For sure. And that's why I think like, I don't know, hardcore is as cool as it is, is, you know, there are people that are just from all walks of life that come together in, you know, this one ecosystem. And I think it's like a really special thing that you don't necessarily find in a whole lot of other facets of life. So I, I'm curious about something you just mentioned. You said that you're a little, a little younger and maybe haven't experienced as much. Uh, how long would you uh, say your hardcore career has been? Because like, because I, I I kind of feel like I'm still like a young kid in hardcore, even though I'm not. I'm like an older dude, whatever. But um, I'm always curious. Like, when do you feel like you, you would cross that threshold where you feel like you've experienced a lot? Because like I've been around since like the early 2000s, but I still feel like there's stuff that I haven't experienced. Like I still feel like there's so much for me, so much more for me to do. Like I've never, uh, you know, uh, well, okay. I, I've been to Mexico for like an international show, but uh, out here going to Mexico is like so normal. So like, I haven't been like, to me, it doesn't feel like I've been to like a real international show. Like I've never been to Canada. Like I've never been to Europe or uh, you know Japan or Australia. So it's just like, I, for as long as I've been around, I still feel like there's just still like so much more for me to do and want to like accomplish. So hearing you say that, uh, you know, you still feel like you're a young kid and haven't experienced that much. Like, like what do you have like planned or what do you want to do? Um, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I think, I started becoming a more regular uh, show attendee probably when I was maybe like 17. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, um, from just going to shows more and kind of like already having like established relationships with people in Syracuse that were doing stuff. um, It was probably, um, I don't know. It was easier for sure to like, get in on like booking stuff and playing shows. Um, So probably from going to shows to actually playing in bands was about a year's span. Um, I've like the first band I ever played in was 2018. And then from there, I probably started booking like Syracuse hardcore branded shows a year after that, Um, which is kind of a trip thinking about it <laughs> like uh, I'd, I'd wonder you know sometimes if like things would be different if i was a consumer of the art for a little bit longer before i like got more invested in it and like playing in bands and you know doing stuff but you know obviously there's no rules or anything but it would just be interesting to like i don't know if i could have lived out like just being a regular dude like going to shows for a little a little while longer but um yeah there's definitely stuff that i want to do like especially in terms of bands it would be nice to go out and play out more um 
and it's it's weird now obviously because you can't do anything but it, it definitely feels like even before like the pandemic i feel that there's a lot of bands or there are very few bands rather that are like going out and doing runs and like doing like, like little tours and from what i've seen it's the bands that do go out and play these places that like end up becoming as big as they are um so i think it would be nice to once all of this is over to really like go out and be active you know playing out of town um yeah i think that that's like the main thing that i really want to do i feel like you uh, being curious about what if you just stayed a consumer a, a little longer i i, I think that's pretty interesting i i feel like the things that you're doing right now for hardcore for your scene is just like a testament of how much you actually care and how much you love hardcore. Cause for you to be, uh, you know, only a couple years in and you're in these bands booking shows, you're doing more than your uh, 10%. Uh, shout out Keith from payback. Uh, he was, uh, you know, talks about how people, uh, you know, just uh, should do more than the 10%, you know, more than just uh, showing up to the gig, uh, picking up the record, like, just put a little more effort in book a show, start a band, start a zine, start a podcast, anything to contribute to, uh, you know, feel this fire to keep hardcore alive. So like when I look at you, um, I, I can easily tell that you care like a lot about hardcore just based off the things that you're involved in. Uh, but I, I think you're right. These bands that are out doing these runs, uh, I think that's a big part of why they grow and become these bigger bands in hardcore because I feel like there's like these open markets where people are dying to see bands and want bands to come through. And I feel like that's how obviously they grow more as a band because obviously like people will listen on Spotify. Like you see people right now posting their Spotify stats or whatever. So it's cool to see people getting these streaming numbers, but um, to take it to the next step, obviously going and being out in front of those crowds and even, uh, you know, gaining new audiences because that's how things happen show up to a show just like you you randomly get pulled to that gig during christmas people you know aren't always planning to go to these hardcore shows or aren't even super familiar with the bands that show up so when bands show up to the town obviously they're playing to an audience that already know them but then there's also uh that small fraction of kids who have never seen them and become new fans and that's how they get bigger so it, it is really important for bands to go on tour and you know, take advantage of that aspect, and you know, uh, and enable them to grow as a band and get bigger. For sure, and I mean, I think it speaks leaps and bounds to people when bands do go out of their way and like play these little places. Like, I don't know who said it, but I remember reading—I don't know if it was a tweet or something—but you know, people now are afraid of playing bad shows and that's a big detractor as to why people don't want to go out on tours like people want to play like big regional shows and people want to do fests and that's all fun and it's cool but at the same time it's like you can do like tremendous growth if you go and play like some random town like where people don't get hardcore shows where there is like people interested in it so it's like even if you know only 20 kids pay at the door at least that's like 20 kids that are now super hyped on your band because they even like bothered to come out are you familiar with the band modern color yeah that's exactly what they did they just were willing to go out 
and play whatever just to get out there and get in front of people and, you know, get recognized in these other markets and playing in these random towns and have these lifelong fans. So there, there definitely is the value to going out there and to, to do that. And I, I get why people wouldn't want to do that because obviously they might not see the long-term benefits of them going out and playing these quote unquote bad shows. Like, dude, you're like for, for these like newer and younger bands, it's like, dude, just go out and do it. Like, like you can't be expecting like these big turnouts for your band just cause you're new, you know, and you have some like little internet hype. It's just like, go out and work for it. Seriously. And I mean, you know, the only one, you know, saying that it's a bad show at the end of the day is you yourself, you know, as long as you have a good head on your shoulders, you know, yeah, I feel like you should be able to tackle anything. Like I remember there was a show early on that I played and I remember like, I don't know. Uh, it really got to me that nobody was moving during the set. And I, I remember just being like so frustrated. I'm just like, Oh my God, we suck. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I don't know. I snapped out of it and was able to go up for the rest of the show and just have a blast. And, you know, that's one of my more fonder memories. Yeah. Cause I, it's like, even though it's, you know, it's rough in your head and like you think, you know, you watch nothing but hate five, six videos and think that like every show is, as crazy as fucking turnstile that this is hardcore it's like i don't know okay you just gotta take the you know take it as it is and just go along for the ride i'm gonna be honest has there ever been a bad turnstile show no not really <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so i think that was a bad example because that band is fucking amazing and even before they even came out and started touring like when i was watching videos of them and this indoor skate park I, I always forget the name of the venue but like that shit was popping off like way early on so I, i'm I wouldn't be surprised if they've never had a bad show. That band's so sick. Totally. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that they ever have. I'm just saying that you know, I think maybe people my age go into it with false expectations. Or I mean, like, I don't know. It could also just be you know the first time you ever have like a rough set where it kind of fucks you up the most. But at the same time, it's like it's a good learning experience. Hundred percent. I used to play in this hardcore band, and my buddy Jeff Yuma. Uh, shout out Jeff Yuma. He he would uh, do me like so many awesome favors. He would book my band more in Yuma, Arizona than uh, the local people would back home because there was like weird beef back in the day. But like we would always be late because like one thing or another, like get a flat tire or we wouldn't account for the time change because uh, Yuma, Arizona doesn't do the time change and oh yeah that's right <laughs> yeah and there was plenty of times where we would show up and be like, we'd have to headline these like shows over like the touring package just because my buddy still wanted us to play and wanted to pay us um and you know didn't want us to just like turn around so like we'd show up and play to like you know like a handful of kids like majority of them being our friends so not like a whole lot of new people and then the, the like i think the last time we played out there we actually showed up on time we played with like I think it was like hoods and like furious styles or something. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And we, we, we showed up, we, we played like the, the, the middle of the show. I think we played like second or third and uh, like the whole show was there to see us. And a bunch of kids came up to us afterwards. We're like, Hey, like you guys are so sick. Like, why don't you play out here more often? And like, we're just laughing. Cause we're like, dude, we've been out here so many times. It's just, you guys don't stick around. You guys left early because we're late. Obviously it was our fault. Uh, but it was just like such a funny uh, thing. Cause these kids were like going off and like having a good time. And um, it was just such a different reaction from showing up late and just having our friends, like, you know, who would still mosh, uh, thankfully, whatever, but it was just like a whole different vibe. 
So it, it was definitely, uh, you know, a, a cool experience to be able to see both sides of it, having like a, you know, not a, a, a pop in set versus having like a set that goes off. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's always, I feel like it's part of being in a band. Cause like not, um, un- unless you're like established and you have that fan base, I don't think like every show is going to go off. Cause I hear from like, I've talked to so many bands and just hear about like these shows where like, you know, four people show up, nobody pays, but they still make the best out of it. You know, like everybody in the room gets a song dedicated to them or just, they just try to make the best out of it. And I feel like that's what uh, you should always do. It's like try to find like the good in every bad situation if possible. Totally. But okay, I, I'm curious. You guys are uh, near, or you're not too far from the Canadian border, right? No, not too far. About maybe like an hour and a half away. So you being in a band, is there is that ever like an idea about like like taking their scene into consideration, like having this cross pollination? Maybe like uh, you guys traveling into Canada and trying to uh, grabbing that fan base because it's so close and it's so different at the same time. Yeah. I think that Syracuse is a little too far out of the way for people to come over here. And I feel like that's the case for like every other major city in the Northeast is like Syracuse is just like an hour too far for people to like want to come through. Mm -hmm. I know that like Buffalo has a good like cross section between, you know, Americans and Canadians because it's right on the border. Yeah. Um, I know Watertown too. uh, That's closer as well. Um, Yeah, no it would be nice to get more people to roll out to shows for sure. Um, Cause I know that was something that we were doing like right before lockdown is like, we kind of made it an effort. A lot of the people in Syracuse to like go out of town and go places and like meet new people and like just experience as much as possible. Um, and I feel like that, that was a whole lot of fun and it would be cool if, you know, that happened in return for Syracuse. I think that the shows here are definitely worth the trip. I always am like envious of other areas because I I'm here in Southern California and we have like I I just like we all just kind of like lump Southern California all together like the LA scene, the Inland Empire, Orange County, San Diego, like everybody cross pollinates and we all you know travel because it's not that far. It's all within like under like two hour drive just to get to a show uh, in these or in these other scenes, quote unquote, which is so weird to think about because yeah, they are other scenes, but it's like, to me, it's just all like, we're just like one big melting pot. So I, like you see a lot of the same people and the vibes, not too much different. Like when you uh, hit the LA scene versus like the orange County scene. But when I think about, you know, going out of state uh, and just think about like how just the vibes is like a little different and it's just not like home. So I'm just, I'm always curious what it would be like to live in a, another state and be able to, you know, drive a couple hours and cross like multiple states and be able to have that, th- those options to see different scenes. Oh, totally. Like, you know, we definitely get spoiled over here in the Northeast for sure. Is that a normal thing for you or, or for you to, to travel to, to other scenes because i know i'm um, obviously uh, you go to shows up there in syracuse but um how often do you hit these other like markets um i mean it, it really depends on the gig like i know like a lot of my friends and i are always down to drive and i know we were you know going to a lot of shows at the hive and wilkes Barre right before lockdown um it was like a cool show every weekend 
you know, all those dudes were killing it and driven out to Boston and back, you know, in the same nights before. That's always fun. I remember, you know, probably my favorite show last year was uh, Lifetime Gouge Away Fiddlehead Anxious at uh, Hardcore Stadium out in uh, Cambridge. Um, and that was super fun because, I don't know, nothing beats like getting in the car with like a couple of friends, driving to, you know, a couple hours to go see a fucking cool gig and then driving home, <clears throat> making it back in time for, you know, some diner food or something, you know. It's definitely like the adventure aspect is what draws me a lot to like going out of town and going seeing something cool, being new places that you've never really been before. I feel like I cherish those times like way more now because uh, back in the day when I grew up in the Palm Springs area, that was just normal for us because we weren't really getting local shows. Like we would have to travel from Palm Springs to uh, the Inland Empire or Orange County or LA just to get a, get to a show. And it was, that was at least an hour and a half drive like one way so like three hours total round trip so uh that was just like like normal so it was always kind of like all right cool like let's just get this drive out of the way and get to the show but now since i live so close to everything when i do make the drive to go somewhere that's not uh you know local it's always like a like a big deal and i'm like oh shit this is crazy like i haven't done this in a long time having to drive more than 20 minutes just to get to a gig you know (laughs) for sure and like, I don't know, for a while in Syracuse, there wasn't really a whole lot going on. So you kind of just had to go to different places, sort of just out of necessity to see like cool bands. I'm curious, where does this uh, pride uh, for Syracuse come from? Because I, I love that. Like, I'm, I'm super proud. Like, I'm not like born and raised in Orange County, but I've lived here for uh, 10 years now. So I'm. Uh, you know, I, I've ad- adopted the Orange County hardcore scene because there wasn't, one, <laughs> there isn't even one where I grew up, so I have no choice. But uh, I'm curious, uh, where does that pride come from? And I think it's so awesome when I see people rep their area so hard. I mean, I think a big part of it has to do with just like the work that you have to put in to make people come up here, like. Syracuse again you know it's out of the way of a lot of places and like unless people have a reason to come out here and you know they're not going to even bother so I think having to put in like the extra bit of effort to make a cool gig happen up here um, definitely adds to like the personal investment in it Um, yeah because you know it's easy on paper it should work out and everything but you know there was a while where it was hard to you know a lot of left on reds and a lot of you know un, unresponded emails you know trying to get people to come up here i feel like it wasn't until maybe you know the tail end of 2019 that we were able to get people to like want to swing through syracuse which you know it obviously like every good hardcore scene kind of you know has its ebbs and flows but um it definitely felt like for a while Syracuse was kind of not as popping as it once was. And it's so weird too, because it's like, again, everybody thinks, Oh, earth crisis, you know, or like, Oh, a trailer, Oh, a path, you know, but obviously there's, there's points in between, you know, all of those where, you know, the spotlight isn't on Syracuse. So it's like, you know, there's still a scene and there's still people, you know, working hard to make stuff happen like in between all of that which I think is like, to me, that's really endearing too. you know, not only to just have like 
really like big bands that helped like change the game for hardcore, but also just like the grassroots effort of it all to even make it happen. Yeah. That's why when you take a, a step back and look at those people who stuck around even during those hard times where things weren't so popping, like that, that shit's important to, to be able to have people want to work hard and stick around and not get disturbed, excuse me, and not get discouraged and just to keep fighting, to keep that shit alive. Cause I, I always say like people sometimes take this shit for granted. And if it wasn't for people like you who book shows or um, having these venues or people start bands or zines or just anybody just to you know keep it alive. Like this shit could easily go away. Like like hardcore is not guaranteed. For sure. And like it's also one of those things where I feel a lot of people kind of just move. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people that want the path of least resistance, no pun intended, um, mm-hmm. and want to like have a pop in music scene and they want to have venues and they want to have like all this culture but there are a lot of people that also don't want to put in the work to make that happen. So what do they do? They move to a different city, which, you know, no, no shame on that. You know, you got to do what you got to do, but I don't know. I feel like more personal pride and more personal fulfillment in making things happen when the odds are against you, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. Like sometimes I feel bad. Um, cause like w- when I was living out in the Palm Springs area, I, w- I literally like watched the scene die, <laughs> which was like so weird to think about now because w- w- when I was, uh, living out there, I had friends that were booking shows. So shout out like Steve Kipple, uh, and Patrick Blake who did like some amazing shows. Even he, he did like a handful of shows, but there were some of like the best shows in the, the desert. And then, um, God, I have this other friend, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, and I'm uh, actually uh, feel so embarrassed. I can't think of his name. What the hell is his name? Hold on, I, I have to look up his name because I, I can't do him like that. He he, he uh, actually did a lot towards the end. Uh, he actually booked my band. Uh, he always would book my band when I wasn't in town, so they would just have to like get like a fill in, which I always thought was funny. Oh um, damn! <laughs> yeah, because like they, people like text me, oh, like stoked to see you at the show tonight and i'm just like oh uh, <laughs> i'm in las vegas i don't know who's filling in but somebody's filling in it's not gonna be me um uh wow this is embarrassing uh i'll figure it out later because <laughs> like i I'm, I'm drawing a blank and it's just so bad so shout out to um my, my buddy he knows who he is i'll, I'll get him his proper <laughs> shout outs um uh but i was you know, I started, I was in like two bands. I was in like a hardcore band and then like a pop punk band. So I was trying to do my part that way. Cause I, like I said earlier, I failed at booking a show. So I was like, there's no way I want to go through that stress again. So let me just try to start a band. So me and my friends had a, a band going for a bit and we did some stuff out of town, uh, nothing too crazy, but then venues started just closing down and there wasn't anywhere to have shows. Cause like we used to have shows at, this place, it was like a banquet hall that they would just rent. Cause like downstairs was like a Chuck E. Cheese type place. I forget. Um, it, it was called, um, it was called rock a fire pizza. And it was, yeah, it was just like, you know, there's like token games and you can get like, you know, dinner with your family. And then upstairs was this giant, 
um, just empty banquet hall that they would just rent out for whatever. And like the outside, it was like this facade. It was just uh, like the building was um, shaped like a castle, which was just <laughs> just so random. Like in, in the middle of Indio, there was this castle. Like the, the, the building's still there to this day, but it's vacant because it, it turned into a shakies. And then I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> but uh, like people like Patrick Blake, people like um, my buddy Steve Kibble would book shows there. Like so many awesome bands played there. Like, uh, like I, Patrick booked this crazy fest and it had like um, one mark, one mission, Death Star, Bloodline Calligraphy, uh, Suffocate played. Uh, and that was crazy. Then like Steve Kibble booked a day to remember up there, which people don't believe me. <clears throat> it was like this weird Halloween show. And so many fun shows up there. Um, but then like th- they stopped wanting to have shows because like management changed. And then we were doing shows. Um, uh, shout out Kobe. Kobe Collins, his dad owned like this tile. Co- I think it was a tile company if I remember correctly, but they would let us have shows like in like the warehouse after hours. And like, there's literally like um, all this like product to just on these like racks and people were like moshing and to, g- to go to so the, sick. to go to the bathroom. You actually had to walk through the, like the dark offices. And I was like, this is so crazy that his dad is allowing this, but like there were so many cool shows there. Like we saw, I think my favorite show there was like Folsom from Las Vegas came out and uh, played and, yeah, but then things just started slowly fading. Like, then things moved to this hookah bar. And I don't know why the <laughs> hookah bar stopped having shows. Uh, but then, I yeah, but then my band broke up. And then my friends stopped booking shows. So then these other shows started happening, like, at, like, random punk houses. And I was like, oh, this is so weird. And then backyard shows. But then it got to a point where um, it just, like, started. To, it kind of just faded. Like, people, like, stopped doing it. And, like, I know... Um, there's like one group of kids out there that are still doing a band, but there's nowhere for them to play because there's not really a scene anymore. So that kind of sucks for them. Um, but and then I moved, and once I moved away, uh, I just had to focus on trying to get established out here, and it, it just sucks to see that shit go because it was fun during those times. There's so many young kids and so many um, like local bands that were doing shit, and like bigger bands would stop by, like like riding out play there so many times on like their like days like if they had like an off day like like on tour somebody would just hit them up and they would like they would literally play in this dude's backyard by like the dmv and that shit was so weird and crazy I and cool that, though. yeah so like, you, you think about a band like them that were still willing to do that and that shit was so cool but it, yeah i mean I, again like even though maybe you know before lockdown there was like a lot of stuff happening in syracuse it also like we also don't have like a con like a uh, a venue that we can constantly rely on because mm-hmm. we're still like running out like you know the community center or running out like a church basement like there's no real venue in Syracuse where we can count on having hardcore shows um which is always a struggle and I feel like that maybe played into why it shows slowed down a little bit mm-hmm. is because you know, for a while, the only really viable place to do stuff was um, was this place called Spark. But other than that, you know, the community center, like for a long time, was thought to be a bust because of uh, CDC and Nasty playing there, and it got too wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Even though it, it's so weird, because you'd think that like with so many bands coming through the city, that there would be like I don't know a need for somebody to like step forward and like get a venue and everything. But like, you know, I don't know. It, we're just hopping, you know, trying to like get by. 
you mentioned uh, towards the end of 2019, uh, people started uh, wanting to go out there. Like, what do you think changed? Because you, you also mentioned like a lot of like, uh, you know, left on red or no responses to emails. Um, I just think that earlier in 2019, there was like a lot of work put in by people like spat, um, booking shows. And then from then on, I feel like, you know, bands just have, you know, a good time and, you know, they get paid and everything and it gives them incentive. Like, you know, those bands then go and tell their friends and, um, I don't know from then on, it kind of just like the show slowly got better and better. Um, and I think it's just a lot to do with, you know, the work put in by people like spat and Amy. Yeah. And I feel like people have to be willing to take a chance and that could just start like a whole like snowball effect of people paying attention and showing up. Oh, for sure. And like, I don't know, the more you see like Syracuse pop up on a flyer, the more you're like, it sparks your interest and, wondering what you know this town's about um and it's also just i don't know it's a matter of putting yourself out there too like even if you're not going to get a response from a band like at least you can say you tried yeah i feel like that's like the the least you could do because uh just put in that effort and kind of just leave it up to uh fate i guess because you never really know what's going to happen you just got to take a chance and uh see totally and like the first like real big show that i booked would probably be uh hangman and billy club sandwich okay and the only reason i got a date on that was because i like emailed uh glenn from billy club like months prior just like putting the feeler out there like hey like, I love your band. I love, you know, I watch the attic video all the time. And uh, if you ever wanted to come through here, you know, just, just, you know, say something. And then, you know, months later, they're like, oh, you know, we're looking for a date, you know, on the way up to Canada with Hangman. Like, would you be down to do it? And it's like, from there, it just, you know, you slowly get more established and everything. And it's easier to get people to want to come through. And all just from, you know, taking a chance. I feel like, you know, that's all it takes. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people expect things to happen overnight, and I always just tell myself, you know, even like when I get discouraged, because uh, you know, I I feel like for me, I'm still, uh, you know, I, I'm doing the, the podcast consistently, but I'm still trying to grow and always try to do a better job, and uh, you know, reach uh, like uh, to have a reach to different people, and I'm always like reaching out to, to new people to have on as guests, and not everyone is. I'm willing or uh, my contacts don't get through all the time. And I always just tell myself, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. This shit is just like, uh, it's just a, a, a process and I'm not going to get every guest that I want uh, first try, maybe second or third, hopefully. But I, I, I always just, uh, you know, tell myself, cause I, I always kind of look at like from where I started to where I'm at today. It's just like something that I would never would have imagined. Oh, for sure. And it's like the same exact thing for like where I am. Like I would never in a million years imagine that like I would have booked a New Year's Day or something, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just a matter of, you know, constantly pushing yourself and trying to, you know, make things happen for sure. And I feel like this is a perfect segue because I've been I'm uh, kind of building up to this. Uh, you mentioned that New Year's Day show uh, an insane lineup. 
I, I remember when I first heard um, about it because I was talking to my buddy Nate Prosciutti because uh, we were talking about linking up at FYA because we were both traveling out to that. And then he was telling me about what was going on before. And when he told me about the lineup, I was, I was tripping. I'm like, holy shit, that's an insane show to start the year off. Can you talk about uh, where that idea came from? Because I, I know um, on the flyer, it mentioned that it hadn't happened in six years. So do you know why there was uh, that long of an absence from a New Year's Day show? And can you talk about like uh, what sparked um, you to want to do it? And how would you get that insane lineup together? Uh, for sure. Uh uh, also, you know, shout out Nate to make great dude, uh, great music. Um, so the New Year's Day show has been a thing in Syracuse ever since '94, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had been a staple here, like up until, you know, aside from a few gaps in the 2000s, it w- was happening up until 2014, and like it was kind of handed off to different people throughout. Um, like in the '90s, it was booked amongst uh like the ec guys and then going into the 2000s it was put on by um i think hacks or matt dunn um and then following that it was booked by uh kitzel at reaper and then i think 2014 it was booked by another dude and it like it was just a perfect storm of <laughs> people not really being interested like as you know legendary as it may seem to an outsider the lost horizon uh, at that point in time was not a very <laughs> uh, cool place to go for a show and um the lineup i feel like people weren't really feeling it either like i think a big thing had to do with it going like following up 2013 which was an insane year it was like trapped under ice foundation turnstile like just insane lineup and then it was followed up by like a much more like uh humble uh lineup of like a lot of like local reunions and shit um and i think after that one i don't know and i can't really say why there wasn't another one because you know people could have done one for sure but it was kind of just something that was put on the back burner, I think. Um, and, you know, going to shows more in like 2017, 2018, I like learned about it and like, I was hyped on it. I was like, Oh, you know, it'd be cool if there was another one, but like, I don't know. I can't like, I'm in no position to really do it, but the more I became involved in booking shows and like getting more connections and kind of like networking like that, the more I kind of realized, Oh, this would be a feasible thing to do. Um, and obviously like I didn't do it all on my own either. Um, Ron was integral in getting, uh, bands like one step closer on board who, and then in turn, like we're going to do the run with wild side and choice to make, um, Tom Dom obviously, uh, helped a lot too in getting trail and regulate on board. Um, and then, you know, everybody else involved, like my friend Justin, who helped us lock down, you know, the vineyard for a venue, um, everybody involved in like setting up gear and flyering and all that. Um, yeah. And it was definitely nerve wracking leading up to it. I remember like <laughs> maybe the week before I was like, what if just a blizzard shows up and <laughs> there's like 50 people that go through the door at most. But um, no, nah, it turned out to be like a perfect day and 
it was a lot of fun and it sucks that you know such a shitty year started off with such a promising show <laughs> um yeah no it was a lot of fun putting that together well maybe this is the balance it was too good to start the year off <laughs> yeah, i'm really paying for it now you know, no shows. Um, um yeah i don't know i i like the lineup a, a lot of bands so it was cool to see so many awesome bands like show up and play that uh i, I watched the the video that uh feet first productions filmed which the oh, yeah. quality is amazing I, I love what they do over there at feet first uh, so oh for sure that was a pleasure to watch but i i was curious i i can see you know on the video there's like other people filming on stage do you know who the, those people were um so i know spencer chamberlain was there shooting photos um he was one of the people standing there um there was another kid that wrote up I, i'm drawing a blank on the name of his uh his media thing but he shot some cool videos uh friend dylan m from uh rome was up in the balcony of the venue and got like a bird's eye view angle which is pretty cool um yeah no it was kind of like a thing where if anybody asked i'd just be like yeah sure why not like the more the merrier um yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd be curious to see it from those other angles. So that's why I was curious to to know, because obviously like I've seen the stand load set, which I mentioned was uh, awesome, but I would just like to kind of see like it from another perspective. Yeah, for sure. I know they're they're flowing around YouTube for sure. They're, they got to be. All right. I got to dig a little deeper then. Yeah, no, uh, that standalone set was pretty fun. Uh, it was definitely like playing music was probably the last thing on my mind that day, but I just remember it like, <laughs> I don't know, just pinatas and fucking confetti guns and all this crazy stuff. <laughs> um, definitely helped make it more memorable for sure. So, <clears throat> speaking of standalone, I'm a fan of the band. Uh, you know, Ron put me on to you guys. I love the last record, whatever it takes. Uh, I, I know you guys worked with uh, Nate uh, over at uh, 1240 records. Uh, but I'm curious, like uh, what was that whole process like for you to record that album? Uh, yeah. So I actually didn't play on the record that was all recorded before I joined the band. Mm -hmm. um, I joined in the fall of 2019 and I think that they recorded it like Ron and Sam went and recorded it uh, before I was like a concrete member. Um, but the songs I thought were really cool. And I thought that they were like an interesting evolution for the band for sure. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, it was sitting in limbo for as long as it was. And then when we finally did put it out, um, it seemed to have fallen on deaf ears. I mean, rightfully so, because this is the height of, you know, the protests and everything. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely, you know, it wasn't ideal, but I'm, I'm glad that it's out there for the people that do want to listen for sure. Yeah. And I totally get 
uh, obviously it's a tough time because you never really know when's the right time to put something out because uh, you know so many different things are going on in the world and things so many different things are popping up this year and it's like like you just don't want to take away from like these uh, important issues that were uh, you know being discussed online and I you know trust me I've talked to plenty of people who uh, didn't want to release stuff just because they didn't feel like it was right which I totally understand so for you guys to, to, to put that out and um you feel like it fell fell on deaf ears um it, it's like kind of a bummer but it, but it's also t- kind of hard to gauge as well you know because you can't play a show and and see people coming out and not knowing your shit because who knows there might be tons of kids out there who, who love the record but uh it's a, a big reason why i wanted to have you on to, to, to come on and talk about the band because i'm a fan of the record and i want to help make people aware like yo this band standalone at a Syracuse put out this sick record early summer please go listen to it if you haven't yet and, and i really appreciate that too um but yeah you're totally right and like not being able to play out live it definitely plays into you know maybe not having as big of a reaction as you would hope to you know it would have been nice to maybe do like a couple weekends or something off of the record once it dropped and you know maybe from there it would have you know grown into something bigger and i know that not being able to play shows is like a big reason as to why like you know there are a couple bands here that are just sitting on music right now not really you know they don't know when to put it out and it sucks to not be able to to, you know put it out you know but at the same time i feel like people are going to be greatly rewarded for you know their patience because i think about how shitty it seems like right now for hardcore but i then think about you know if 2021 and 2022 just get all these great releases coming out and how sick it's going to be so who's sitting on music um i know um like up here in syracuse you know a couple of projects like there have been a bunch of like little groups that have started up that are sitting on demos right now and you know there's uh, the thrill um which is another band that i play in Mm-hmm. and we've been recording an ep right now okay. um i just finished like doing guitars yesterday actually um so we're sitting on a new ep i know that standalones you know slowly working on writing some more stuff too so it will i think like the coolest part will be finding a cool way to release all this music once it is ready and like once we can play shows on it because like there's so much opportunity to do like a cool release window or like i don't know make it feel pretty special i want to see standalone do a sick edge day show i think that'd be amazing yeah that would be really cool i was actually that was um one of the things i was hoping for was to be able to do an edge day show because there were like a couple bands i'd reached out to maybe back in like april or may Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, you know, if the world's, you know, all right enough, you know, would you be down to come play Syracuse? And yeah, they were down, but unfortunately, you know, wasn't meant to be. This year, but maybe next year. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That... Yeah, no, it's definitely like trying to hit the ground running for sure as soon as stuff's able to pop back up. But it's just so hard to get people on board because it's, you know, you're just throwing dates out there that aren't certain at all. So are you doing anything currently to try to keep uh, uh, like the local kids uh, up to date and let them know that, yo, like 
things aren't really happening show wise, but you know, Syracuse hardcore, the scene's still a thing. Cause I know like around the U S there have been like these pop-ups that have been happening or bands will do live streams. Uh, are, are you guys doing anything locally to try to keep the spirit alive? So we've been doing little stuff here and there. Um, back in October, we held um, a little skate jam at this DIY park right okay. near my house. Um, and we also set up a flea market to like coincide with it. So that was really cool. Like, not that it was a huge, like hardcore thing. It was, um, I don't know. It was nice to kind of like just be out in public and around people and like seeing people that you haven't seen in you know, God knows how many months. Uh, Mm -hmm. it was also cool just having like random kids show up at the skate jam and like seeing a turnstile shirt and being really hyped on it and just like giving, you know, I was giving away stuff and I don't know. I think it's sick that like a kid may not know who turnstile is, but like they have a shirt and they love the way it looks. And like, maybe that'll grow into like an interest in hardcore. And maybe I'll see those kids, you know, years down the line, show up at a show or something. Um, just little stuff like that. Um, not really thinking about any like live streams or anything. Um, and it would be cool to do like a, main you know syracuse hardcore flea market but i don't know how possible that is given you know the spikes yeah for sure i yeah but i think like obviously like right now at at the time of this recording things are a little intense but back when things seemed a little more relaxed those things were going on um but it's it's crazy i my buddy went to a bar the other night but it was like a uh, he described it as like a low key bar, like all the lights were off. It was like uh, it was just so weird. He was he was like um, posting videos about it, and I was like, "This is so strange." Yeah, it definitely it feels surreal, like going out anywhere. Like even I don't know, back in like August when I went out to like a restaurant for the first time, it just mm-hmm. like it feels so bizarre. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, just like little things to try and keep like the growth still still progressing because it's definitely discouraging to see an influx of new people show up to like the gigs that we were booking only to have it all shut down and you know it it makes me worried for sure if people will like still come out to shows or like feel comfortable or even like know that they're going on um, once they're able to start back up but Definitely doing like little things like that skate jam, I think helped. And I think, you know, doing things like zines and everything like that definitely helps too. Yeah. You don't want people to think that the scene died with COVID. Exactly. And, you know, I don't think that that's, that's going to happen, but you know, but it definitely is, you know, it, it, <laughs> strange times for sure. You uh, briefly mentioned the thrill. Are you guys still rocking a three piece? Um, no. Currently, we're a we're a four. Um, always have been a four. We're like, you know, more straightforward hardcore punk band. Uh-huh. Um, uh, my friend Dylan play there does vocals for it. Uh, friend Envy does bass, and um, we kind of had like a rotating cast of drummers. Uh, initially it was our friend Gabe from uh, Boise filling in, but Boise. Uh, he got sent to fucking 
South Korea because of army stuff. Oh, wow. um, so we had our other friend, Justin fill in on drums for like, you know, ever since, um, South Korea, that's where I want to travel to right now. Yeah, it would be a dope spot. Yeah, like I'm so down to quarantine, but I just don't have that much free time because like there's like a mandatory like 14 day quarantine like in these like government like facility like hotels, and oh yeah, yeah, it's just like it's just a lot of time that I don't have that uh, you know just to be sitting around. Like I wish I could just fly in, uh, you know, hit uh, a couple cool spots and then come home. But soon, that's what I'm looking forward to. When it's available, that's where I want to travel to first. Yeah, I, I know. I'm definitely like keeping a list of like spots that I want to cross off the bucket list as soon as all this is over. Is California on that list? California is definitely on that list for sure. I've never been. That's crazy. That that uh, trips me out whenever I hear people talk about they've never been to California. Like, obviously, it's uh, uh, different for me because I live here, but there's plenty of states I've never been to. So it's not like that surprising, but I would love for uh, standalone to make its way out here. I, I think that would be super sick. It would definitely be cool. I would you love know, to- And it's definitely like, again, as long as you, I feel like it's so integral to just put yourself out there and just make a go of it. Yeah. Um, I want to see dare and standalone do a West coast run. That would be so sick. Yeah. That, that would be something for sure. It's just the straight edge takeover on the West coast. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's interesting seeing, you know, uh, the ebbs and flows of hardcore. I feel like standalone's brand is definitely like more, I don't know. It's like way more tied in with youth crew than like, you know, metallic, you know, straight edge music that maybe people think that Syracuse is synonymous for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting, but um, it's cool seeing you know youth crew kind of come back into fruition. I feel like it was a little little slow for a while, but now you have bands like, like you said, Dare and bands like Last Straw popping up, and you know it, those bands, you know, Last Straw specifically, like that gets me really hyped. Yeah, and and you guys are a part of that, so it's just uh, I've been around long enough to see every type of hardcore be like the thing so it, it definitely is fun to see uh you know th- those types of bands uh you know come out and do stuff and kind of you know push that style more because i i like all styles uh so it, it's it's just refreshing to me so I'm like oh cool these kids are you know uh, having like uh, like a new take on it because it's you know sometimes it's like oh it's been a while since i heard something uh that good from that style yeah i mean like I don't know. I think it takes time to make that sound appealing again because, you know, eventually people get sick of whatever's in vogue with hardcore. It's like, oh, I've heard, you know, the same, you know, fast part into a slam like so many times. I want something different. And then that is what breeds like the metalcore revival and all that stuff. Um, But yeah, it's interesting for sure to see youth crew kind of pop off again. Since you're so proud of, uh, you know, the C- the Syracuse scene, have you ever thought to, you know, want to pay homage and do a more metallic type band? 
I mean, it, it's come to mind for sure, but it's also, I don't know, it's not necessarily like, I don't know. I feel like it's cool doing your own thing because as, you know, big as metallic hardcore kind of is for Syracuse, there's also so many like really cool punk bands that I feel kind of got lost along the way. Like, like you mentioned before, you know, when you think of Syracuse, you think of a band like Attitude or like a band like Black SS or um, Violent Side or something like that. And those, you know, those aren't like Earth Crisis. Those aren't like Trail Lies. And I feel like bands like that are just as important to me as, you know, the bigger bands that everybody does know. Mm-hmm. So I think I like, I like standalone where it is, you know, kind of doing its own thing. And I don't know, it would definitely be interesting to see another kind of like, I don't know, harder band, but I don't know. I'm always curious, like whatever happened to those guys in attitude. Cause uh, that was a time in hardcore where I just didn't really pay attention to like people in bands. I just l- listened to the music. I was like, kind of like, you know, social media wasn't super uh, prominent and like not everyone had uh, it. Cause I, I think at the time, maybe MySpace was a thing. I, I, my, my timelines are jumbled thinking that far back, but yeah, I think maybe like MySpace was the thing at that time. And I wasn't friends with everybody on MySpace. So I, I was always curious, like, man, <laughs> Where do those guys go? Like, are they still involved? Do I not know? Uh, Ranger's still around. Uh, I actually work at the same restaurant as them, funny enough. Uh, Dude. I went to uh, one of the YOT shows uh-huh. uh, last March with them down in the city, which was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> it was funny, like, going up and, like, I remember walking into Brooklyn Bazaar and seeing like Ned from title fight walk out and being like, so starstruck. And then I walk in after, you know, getting my ticket checked and everything. And I see like him talking to Ranger and Ranger be like, Hey Luke, have you ever met my friend Ned? And it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> so that was a trip. Um, he's still around. And I think a couple of the dudes in attitude are currently doing supernatural psycho. Oh, really? I had no idea. See, I, I was just so just like out of touch back then. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah, because I'm not sure who, but I know that Ranger brought it up at one point. Mm-hmm. So for anybody listening who has no idea uh, who Attitude is, do yourself a favor. Go do your research. Listen to Attitude, an amazing band from Syracuse. They've come out to the West Coast back in the day. Uh, Sound and Fury, just awesome band. I just, yeah, the shit's so sick. Yeah, and they played in the early days of that too. Yeah, which is so wild. I remember like looking at the old flyers and seeing that name pop up. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, so Syracuse have been doing things for a really long time. People got to start paying more respect. For sure, especially yeah. I mean, that's the beauty about like so many hardcore scenes is that like the deeper you dive, the more cool bands you find. Like another one out of Syracuse, Black Sheep Squadron is a really good one. Like. For anybody that loves bands like Restraining Order, I feel like that's right up their alley. And I feel like they're the band from Syracuse that, like, if you ask anybody who their favorite Syracuse band is, that would that name would probably come up more times than not. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to check them out because I, I never uh, got too familiar with them. So that's something fun for me to be able to check out and dive into. Dude, for sure. Well, damn. Lucas, this has been super awesome. I'm, I'm really happy uh, we were able to do the podcast. I, I was really looking forward to finally being able to uh, talk to you. But, um, oh, crap, you know, uh, before we go, uh, I, I totally, it slipped my mind this whole time. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you got injured recently 
can you talk about that? Oh yeah, because <laughs> I because um, it, it's been in my mind. I'm like, okay, uh, this is a, a a great time. Oh, actually, two things. I, I want you to talk about your injury, and then I want you to um, promote your zine. Okay, um, so a little backstory. I had done a little zine um, that I'd bring out to shows every now and then, probably like the tail end of 2019. Okay, and then all throughout the pandemic i like had it on the back burner like oh i want to do like something cool i want to do like something a little bit bigger since i have more time you know but it was always like in the back of my mind i never really sat down with it until maybe the beginning of november (laughs) when uh i was there's this like little route that i hit that goes right through like the westcott neighborhood here through syracuse university and then back around back to my house and I was hitting the route one night and uh, I was over on like the university area trying to like piece together a line and uh, no business skating stairs, no matter how big or small. Uh, <laughs> I was trying a uh, trick down it and I ended up rolling my ankle pretty bad. Um, and that was like such a scary experience because I like I didn't know if it was broken or what. Like I had never really gotten injured like that. And it was like 1.30 in the morning <laughs> on campus. So I'm like, who the fuck is even going to be here to like help? I'm literally just like on the ground screaming for people. Thankfully, the, somebody came and like made sure like I could walk. And then I called my roommate in the middle of the night, you know, telling them that, you know, man down. Um, but I was out of work for a while and I still am out of work. So I figured now is a better time than any to really kind of hunker down and work on a little zine um basically the whole thing uh call it illegal and free named after uh my favorite milk music song um it's kind of just encompassing hardcore skating just random you know tomfoolery that you know me and my friends are into you know just a little something to to work on keep myself busy and you know i think it's just like an interesting thing it's cool like seeing some people you know different communities be kind of like interested and hyped on it because i'm doing like a little retrospective on the diy park here since it's like turning 10 years old so i like was interviewing people and those guys are super excited but on like the music end of things i interviewed uh ned from title fight talking about hyperview i interviewed um alex henry from fiddlehead and basement talking about music and i think it would just be cool seeing like both of those kind of communities come together and like, you know, the people that are into music learn more about skating and then the people that are into skating learn more about music. And I feel like, I don't know, it's an interesting way to bring about kind of camaraderie between the two, because like growing up, you know, the two were synonymous for, for me, like those are my two main hobbies for sure. And when can people expect the zine to come out? Um, it's almost done. I'm currently waiting on a few more, uh, people to get back to me for the spot retrospective. Um, should be done probably by the middle of this month should be up for pre-orders and everything. And then, you know, I'll ship it out. I'm not really looking to make money or anything, you know, I'm kind of just anybody that's interested, you know, I'll send it out to them. All right. Well, definitely let me know. 
uh, when it's coming out or when you get the website up for the pre-orders because I'll definitely uh, you know post that up and just try to get it in front of as many people as I can because I like that idea. It sounds awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, you know hearing those interviews and then learning about that DIY spot in your area because that sounds cool. Because ten years, that's a long time. Oh, for sure. And like the neighborhood around it has seen so many changes. Like the skaters, like the whole community from there has grown so much. Um, funny enough, we were like we had a show there uh, last summer that was a whole lot of fun. Um, I was really bummed that we couldn't do it again this summer, but hopefully, you know, as soon as shows come back, we can throw something crazy because it's literally just like some vacant tennis courts that some people saw potential in. And I feel like that kind of embodies the spirit of Syracuse, just, you know, diamond in the rough. Hell yeah. Well, before we sign off, is there anything else you want to shout out or plug? Because I, I appreciate you talking about the zine because that was something else I wanted you to bring up. Uh, but uh, is there anything else? Um, definitely. If you're having interest in, you know, music in Syracuse, you know, follow Syracuse hardcore on Instagram, follow uh, standalone. Um, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled. I know that, you know, Syracuse isn't sleeping. That's for sure. Uh, we're definitely working on some cool stuff and hopefully as you know, life slowly gets back to normal, we can start to unveil it and, you know, hopefully, you know, people like it. And if they don't, you know, whatever all right well seriously thank you again lucas thank you again everybody for tuning in this has been another episode of the jmrk podcast always on top 